This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Reynolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and time for a podcast and just to update you guys on a little bit what's going on out there. Michigan game canceled, a couple new crystal balls for Washington recruits, and uh, weather kind of sucks in Seattle, but hopefully it's going to get better here soon. But big news yesterday was that the uh, Michigan game is canceled. Looks like the pack. Excuse me, Big Ten has um, ordered that all of their out-of-conference games be canceled. So lots of interesting stuff. But any surprise that that Michigan game got canceled, Chris? For me personally, no. Um, obviously, it's going to have ripple effects. I mean, the, the the traditional connection between the Big Ten and the Pac-12 is obvious with the Rose Bowl and everything else. And then, and then natural rivalries that have started to come out of it with Washington and Michigan, for instance. And um, you know, so it's, it's, it's just something that's unfortunate, but, um, you know, you have to think the PAC 12 is going to have to follow suit at some point. I mean, the rest, I mean, it's, there's so many ramifications. I mean, I just took a look right before the podcast just to see how, how the non-conference broke down for the PAC 12, like who was playing who, you know, there's, there's nine mountain West teams that are going to be impacted. If the, if the PAC 12 decides to kill its non-conference schedule, Half a dozen big sky teams are going to get affected. This is going to crush all the conferences below the Power Five. Absolutely crush them. You think of the the MAC teams that have the normal regional rivalry games with the uh, with the big with the Big Twelve guys. You know, think of Ohio or Toledo or you know the directional Illinois teams or you know just some of the, the Michigan teams. It's just it's going to crush them, and it's really unfortunate, but. You have to think they're going to try to keep it geographical. I know a lot of people read John Wilner, for instance, and you know he talked about keep, quote unquote keeping it in the family for the Pac-12 and in terms of in terms of tightening things up, and and part of that is killing the non-conference schedule. But there's going to be so many uh, teams below them, uh, non-Power Five teams, that are going to get absolutely decimated because of this. Well, not not only decimated because of the schedule, but a lot of those, you know, uh, Mountain West teams in those, they depend on the games against the Power Five schools. as um, It's a big payday for them. It keeps their program afloat. And then, Scott, well, right. you take a look at what's a team like Notre Dame going to do, Scott? I mean, they don't have a conference. Well, the ACC has already said that they're going to try and work with them on on getting them scheduled because they've they've been doing what is it is this year three of their their agreement that they had with Notre Dame to schedule games with the, with them. So um, I would expect Notre Dame is going to get taken care of one way or the other um, and figure out figure that out. So um, as far as you know, asking if it's a surprise, I. I'm not surprised it happened and especially the way things were have been kind of trending over the last couple weeks and all that stuff. I just you, you could kind of see this kind of coming. Um, I'm, I'm sure hopeful that we can have football this fall. Um, 
I, I'm dubious on there being a spring uh, football season because uh, that it might not give the players enough time off uh, between seasons. Because I don't, and I know they don't want to push back next year. So um, we'll just have to see where it goes. It, 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 right now, nobody really knows anything. All we know right now is that the Michigan game is canceled. That's it. Everything else is still on as of today, but that could all change here in the next 10 minutes. Yeah, I, I just think it's one of those things, you know, it's a it's a rabbit hole to go down to and there's many different variables, you know, I I just can't wrap my head around all of it. So it's just one of those things where, you know, the thing that some people don't do very well, it's just a waiting game right now to see how things go. Uh, big UFC fight this weekend on Fight Island, see how that goes. Uh, Mariners today are playing a um, inner squad game um, that's being broadcast live, by the way. But I think we're going to have to see how baseball goes, how, you know, football training camps. But I, I just don't see anything where this is going to happen, where we see football in September. But again, you know, just two weeks from now, things could look dramatically different. And a month from now, things can look dramatically different. And you know, we've all got our opinions, but right now it's just a guessing game at, at best. Guys, what I, what I would like, like to add to that is there was already a previously scheduled meeting, if I remember correctly, today, Friday, with the Pac-12 presidents and chancellors. And with this news coming out of the Big Ten yesterday, I have to think this has jumped the agenda and probably ended up first or second in their list of to-do things. So... I wouldn't be surprised if we hear something. I wouldn't think anything comes out of it necessarily today, but you know, Monday, Tuesday of next week, would I be shocked if we hear something like the the Pac-12 has followed suit? I wouldn't be surprised at all, or or maybe sometime next week. Yeah, or just it, what's really weird is because Washington has their first um, three games as non-conference games, but that's not the way everybody works. Some of these teams have uh, non-conference games later in the season, so. Um, take the schedule, tear it up, throw it up in the air, you know, and I think, you know, the schedule is going to have to be a complete redo. So uh, we'll see what happens, you know, shortened season, you know, season delayed. No, not, I mean, there's just so many different variables that need to be worked out. And until we get a handle on what's really going on out there, it's just tough to really know. I, like I said, it's just, you know, throwing darts at a wall right now and seeing where it lands. But um, the silver lining, got- the silver lining is, is that if, you know, if they decide to cancel the non-conference, if they decide to follow the big tens lead on this, that means you could almost extend the period of getting everything up to scratch and, and figuring out the logistics. Like you said, kind of having to rewrite the entire schedule game plan and blueprint you know you have almost till almost october basically i mean you could um you could really bypass all almost all of september maybe the the last week of september to kind of get all that stuff started so there is time to get it done if they can if they can figure it out and get all on the same page maybe like an eight game schedule you know with four home four four away for everybody to have things be fair you know that seems like it might be real workable you know so um, draw the games out of the hat. I don't know how logistic-wise with stadiums. Just, it's, Chris, you might know the answer to this. Or Scott, do any of the Pac-12 football teams share um, venues with pro teams where that might be an issue and rescheduling games? Well, USC did, um, but they, uh, the Rams move into the, their new stadium this fall, right? 
Right. Yeah. Does anybody? You, Cal yeah, doesn't. Stanford so. doesn't. No. Everybody else, I think, is uh, Arizona, Arizona State, yeah. Colorado. Yeah. Everybody but I, else. But I think own. one thing you could see, guys, is that it wouldn't necessarily be a stadium issue. But like John Wilner again pointed out, you might have designated hotels in each city, for instance, that become the hotel for the visiting team to go to instead of having them pick the one that they want, whether it's close or whether it has their amenities or what have you, just have the one there where they can really um, kind of lock things down and keep things insulated. Cause I go back to that conversation that Kim Harmon had with softy and Dick Fane on KJR when she was saying, once they get the players in the facility, like at UW, for instance, they're safe, they're healthy. They can, if, if there's a problem, they have protocols to be able to do all this stuff. If they can create a minimum amount of variables, like having the same hotel, having the same situation for every team that they know they can, you know, rely on the same kind of blueprint and the same kind of, um, arrangements for everybody. I think that really could help you know, streamline a lot of this stuff because I think once they get everybody tested, they get everybody healthy and they, and they know they've got a situation where everybody in that bubble, so to speak, is COVID free, for instance. And I'm talking about everybody. I'm talking about trainers, staff, everybody. Then they can almost kind of move in a bubble and do these different things. Like I wrote about it this morning. I mean, it's an out of the box thought, but if logistics and travel is one of the big variables on this thing, why not drive? <laughs> I mean, make it simple. I mean, that's what the equipment well, guys they, do every week. Well, they don't even need to use hotels. They can use the dorms. I mean, it doesn't sound like they're going to be at capacity, you know, student-wise. You know, they can do something like that. But, but this is, like these you said, are you know, out-of-the-box thinking. Some, I mean, it's, yeah. they're going to have to be creative with this stuff for sure. Hey, Scott, uh, jumping into recruiting, it's kind of a different year because the only way for evaluations really is off of junior films. Not many camps, not uh, any chances to see guys up close and personally, but uh, it's just kind of a strange year, especially when it comes to evaluations, not only for the recruiting analysts, but uh, coaches as well. What are you hearing out there about different ways that uh, schools are evaluating prospects right now? Well, I... I think some, you know, the most inventive way that I've seen is schools are basically sending a workout that they want a kid to run through in order to evaluate them and see them and what drills they want them to run through. And these guys are going out with their trainers, friends, coaches, anybody who can film them and, and they're running them through their paces. And that's one of the ways that, um, uh, COC uh, Finau got his offer from the University of Washington was they wanted to see him in a workout and they went out and did that. I know that RWQB with Jake Heaps leading the the leading the workouts and Ryland Spencer, our our friend from Cascadia Preps, is out there as well. They're doing a lot of work with some of these. I don't want they're not high end quarterbacks right now or anything like that. They're they're more of the lower end guys, but they're still putting together these workout and 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 throwing. Uh, videos for these schools who have requested it and they get the the workout that the coaches want these kids to run through they run them through it they take a video of it and they send it to the coaches so that's kind of the way the coaches are really doing it because you're not going to see them in games you're not going to see them in uh, other than what they have on film from their sophomore or junior year that you're trying to evaluate so um yeah it's this is really, really tough. And, and when we, when you're looking at a, a huddle video, when you, you know, we post them, 
we link them, uh, we embed them in the stories that we do, and and we we show them on the on our message boards. Those are just highlight videos. Those aren't the raw game videos that these coaches do have access to on Huddle because um, these teams will go and upload games so the coaches can just go through and watch uh, either all the defensive plays or all the offensive plays and see different players and doing what they do. So. Um, you know, that's we don't get uh, people like Brandon Huffman, Greg Biggins, unless they have a connection with somebody, don't really get that video. They're going to have to go off of highlights. It's going to be really, really hard to be really, really accurate with a lot of these guys. And Chris, as long as we've been doing this, we know that, you know, uh, a team's board, whether it's the Seahawks, the Huskies, USC, their boards will all look different where they're looking for specific body types. They're looking specific character wise. Um, they're looking at fit, but a board can look dramatically different as opposed to the ratings because of fit um, and just what they're looking for, for specific guys. But uh, you know, it's just a difficult year to do evaluations when it comes ranking wise, they're doing the best they can, but boy, everything's done off of junior film. It is, but it's a situation where let's say, a guy like Finau ends up at Washington State and then absolutely blows up. Every Washington fan on Dogman or everywhere else is going to be like, where were the coaches on this? This guy was literally in Renton and they didn't, they weren't on top of him. So it, it you know, you can, you, you think of guys like Christo Bruce or you think of guys like Didi Enchilanu or other local guys, Ryan Long from Anacortes. You know, there's so many other guys that, have gone on to do big things that weren't necessarily on the recruiting radar, but I guarantee you they were on Washington's radar. And for whatever reason, they decided to go a different direction, but um, for sure. I mean, when it comes to fit, when it comes to uh, all the intangibles to the, to the tough questions that you have to ask. And, and those are tough questions that have been asked ever since Don James got to Motley, you know, and it's, and his followed through all the way through to, to Peterson and now Jimmy Lake. You know, these are all things that are part of their evaluation that we don't necessarily get to see. And and the answers that those guys get may be slightly different than the answers that a, a player or a high school coach might tell an evaluator from Scout or Rivals or 24-7 or ESPN or whatever outside recruiting service you're talking about. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Chris, talk a little bit about, you know, just what, you know, how important it is, because I talk about body profiling where, you know, with um, Jimmy Lake, he likes those longer corners, but a guy like Finau, when you're taking a look at him, does he have the height? Check. Does he have the body that's going to be able to add weight? Check. Does he have the work ethic? Does he have the experience? And, you know, a lot of the time you're looking at a piece of clay that you can come in and mold that maybe hasn't played a lot of football like a guy like Fanal, but he has all of the other things that you're looking for, except he hasn't played a lot of football. To you, is that a little bit more intriguing and taking the same guy at the same place skill-wise that's been playing for maybe five or six years? 
I, I don't know, because I think as a as a coach, you probably look at it from a different mindset. As a coach, you're looking at him as a as a, a perfect piece of clay that you can mold into the kind of player that you want to. They don't have they don't come with bad habits. They're, they're guys that you can, you know, literally turn into whatever player you want them to be. So I, I think there's there's positives and negatives to both of those things. But the interesting thing about Finau specifically is that I was watching his highlight tape, the one on Huddle, first thinking that he was 235 pounds. Then we heard he was 275 pounds. So I looked at it again. And now I have it on really good authority um, that he's much closer to 300 pounds. And I'm thinking, what was his playing weight when he was actually making these plays? Because you look at him and you look at, you know, the you look at Maurice Himes, for instance. And you see, and yes, he's playing against JV players, but that doesn't mean he runs any any slower, right? I mean, it, it that doesn't necessarily uh, the athleticism negate, flashes. Yeah, the it doesn't negate flashes. his athleticism. And so, when you're watching a guy like Finau and you're watching his tape, is he doing that at two thirty five? Is he doing that at two seventy five? I mean, it's so hard to know because first of all, he's carrying his weight really, really well, whatever weight he was at. I would venture to say he was probably in the mid 250s if I if I really had to guess based on just what I've seen over the years. But again, if he's at, if he was at 250 like in November, you know, October November and now he's 300 and like I said, the people that I were talking to, they're like we've got the scale uh screenshots to prove it. I'm like fair enough. Um I just, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how he maintains his athleticism, how he maintains his speed and all of those things at 300 pounds. But from all indications, at least off the field, from what we've heard in the, in the weight training and, and, and the other processes that you go through in the off season, um, he's just an animal. And if you're a Washington fan, how could you not get excited about that? And Scott, one of the things that impressed me with this film, and I was told by you know people close to the situation, is what the Washington coach has really liked is he's a big guy, but he chased the ball really, really well. And when you get into high school, especially at those lower levels, and you get the big guys, when the play's going the other way, you tend to not chase the ball down. But this kid just seemed to chase the ball down from either side of the field. Yeah, it's a motor, and you can't teach motor on kids. They either have it or they don't. And, um, yeah, he, he chased down and, and I think that was one of the big things that stuck out to him. Like you said, um, Owen Prentice, uh, Greg Biggins put in a crystal ball prediction with him going to Washington with a high, um, high indication of an eight, uh, you know, with a confidence level of eight, uh, any story behind that at all? I think the story is that, uh, things are trending Washington's way with him and, um, you know, Brandon Huffman and I put in picks uh, to the University of Washington for crystal balls um, back last summer uh, during camp, at which he was not able to even, even um, uh, you know, participate because he had strained. Uh, I think it was like a quad. He strained a quad or a shoulder or something. I can't remember what it was. He wasn't really injured, but they didn't want him to, you know, re-injure something. Right? You know, not very 
far before the start of the season. So he just sat out, but he did come to Washington's camp and uh, they ended up offering there. there. And, and Brandon and I both had gotten pretty good information that if Washington offered, they were probably going to be the odds on favorite to get him. And that was where he wanted to be. That was where his mom wanted him to be all this different stuff. Well, then you look at his family history, the fact that his uh, brothers and sisters, his siblings basically have all gone to Ivy League schools. His family has prioritized um, education over pretty much everything else, even sports to a certain extent. Um, and his family, um, uh, you know, without getting too deep into it, they, they, are, they are not struggling for money. And so he is a kid who could afford to go to an Ivy League school without – being too much of a dent in their in his parents' uh, wallet. So um, all that being said, Huffman and I put in big uh, crystal balls for him back in last summer, and then all of a sudden, um, Brandon goes foggy on it when you could still go foggy on kids. I left mine where it was, so I actually have the longest prediction of uh, Owen Prentice at going to the University of Washington, but things have been trending Washington's way. Um, Stanford did give him the acceptance last week and that made a big impression on him. But I just think once that all wears off, he knows where he'd like to be. His best friend is already on the team. Well, already committed to Washington and Caden jumper. Um, everything just maps out perfectly for him to go to the university of Washington. He could be a center. He could be a guard for Washington. He really has a great relationship with Scott Huff. I think he really likes Jimmy Lake and, and believes in the program um, that he's going to, uh, inst- well, I guess just continue and maybe even take to a different level once now that uh, he's the head coach. So um, everything just points to him choosing Washington at some point. I think it's going to be sooner rather than later, but we'll just have to wait and see. He's got a lot of people just look at the star rankings. They look at the composite ranking. They look at how it's going to fit in the class, but they don't know much about the player himself. You know, and I've asked you this several times. He's an, he's an O'Day kid, you know, mm-hmm. and he's got brothers and sisters at Ivy League schools. Is he soft? How good is he? I mean, what makes him special? What makes him good? Definitely not soft. Uh, technically, he's very he's very technically sound. He grinds on guys. He's six three. We've got him listed at two ninety five. I don't. He might have put on a little bit of weight, and because uh, Brandon Huffman's usually pretty good about updating those. So uh, let's just say he's two hundred ninety five pounds, six three, two ninety five. Grinds on guys. Is physical. He plays both ways for O'Day. He's got great feet. He's a he's a leader. He's going to be a leader in the locker room as well as out on the field. He'll be that guy who can make the calls if uh, someone's struggling to make calls and, and things like that. He can do it all. And um, the fact is he plays uh, guard for his team, but he can also play left tackle. He can play right tackle. He's not big enough, long enough to play tackle in college, but he has that kind of athleticism and ability. Also a new offer out to another one of his teammates. Um, his name's escaping me. Uh, Mark Nabu. Yep. yep. Okay. Um, and yeah, he he. Well, he's a 2022 kid though, so um, he's uh, you know, he's six four, 290 pounds, 285 pounds, and big kid played right tackle for them last season, but can can move inside and play guard, and I think that's where he's probably best projected. Washington made an offer last mid toward the end of last month. It was like late, like last week of June. They made an offer to him and. They're one of three schools to offer him Washington State, Nevada. I think it's 
It might, you know what? I don't have it in front of me. It might be Arizona State. I think it's Arizona State, Nevada, and Washington have offered, but he's got a slew of other schools that are that are looking at him, and he's part of that big class from the 2022 um, class that's coming up. They're only going to be juniors this year. They might not even get a junior season. So um, Washington's already made offers out to five guys from the state along the offensive line: Dave Iuli from uh, Puyallup. Josh Connerly, arguably the number one player in the state for 2022. He's out of Rainier Beach. He's an offensive tackle. Then you've got um, Malik Agbo, who's another uh, tackle guard swing guy um, from Todd Beamer down there in in Federal Way. And I'm drawing a blank on the other one. Um, Oh, uh, Vega Ijuane from uh, Graham Kapowson. He's 6'4", 290 pounds. Big kid, very good feet, very raw. So... That's what Washington has already offered, and I did a story on it yesterday. You guys want to go take a look. I don't know if Washington's going to take all five because I don't know if they're going to take five spots, but they might not have to leave the state of Washington to get their offensive line class next year. Hey, Chris, getting back to um, O'Day High School, how long has Monty Kohler been the head coach at O'Day? Long, long time. Roughly 30 years, I think. I was going to say, as long as I've been up there, I mean, I used to go up there when I was actually doing um, more of the regional recruiting stuff for scout initially, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I would go up every spring and coach Kohler was gracious enough to basically open up the courtyard in the middle of O'Day and just have guys come in one at a time. And I would just ask them a couple quick questions. And basically it was mostly just to get, um, you know, heights, weights, you know, numbers. contact information, con- you know, current recruiting information, you know, what their thoughts were so we could do stories. So, you know, he, he's never been a big fan of the recruiting process. I don't think he really likes to inject himself into it. He's been a lot more hands-off in that regard um, compared to more the more modern approaches. When you look at, you know, guys like Dave Miller and Sheldon Cross and um, and some of these other guys that get it more, a little bit more involved in it and um, are a little bit more hands-on. He's definitely been a lot more old school about it. But at the same time, he certainly wasn't adverse to, to making sure that people understood uh, O'Day's got players, and they've always had players. Who's your favorite O'Day player, Chris? In terms of who I've talked to over the years, God, that's a tough one. That Come really on. is a tough one. Come on. Although, you know, I really like, to be honest with you, I go back way back. I really liked Grant Anger, the kid who ended up at Ohio, at Oregon State. Yeah. Um, I really liked talking to Grant when he was going through his process quite a bit. Um, really enjoyed even talking to guys like Quentin Richardson back in the day. Um, I think I remember even, was he, was he on, did he announce on campus? I think he had an announcement. He was at a remember. camp. He was at a camp, I'm pretty sure. I thought, well, okay, maybe it was a jersey ceremony or something for a, for a game. I can't remember. But, um, yeah, I'm just trying to go off the top of my head who I've really liked in the past. Can, if Arnold. I can just – Paul if Arnold. I can, was he at O'Day? Well, Paul was at he was Kennedy. at Kennedy. He started at O'Day. Um, yeah, but he didn't finish there. Um, he averaged 17 yards a carry as a sophomore. If I can interject, my favorite guy was Ty Erickson. The biggest reason was because I remember talking to him about it because he committed. Washington was his first official visit, and he committed, right? Yeah. And then he told me he had visits to Miami, Texas, Ohio State, and Michigan all set up. And I'm like, you blew it, dude. You absolutely blew it. You should have taken those visits first and then committed to Washington. And he was like, I know, I know. <laughs> it's interesting that, that you bring up Ty Eric's too right now, especially when 
talking about Owen Prentice and the academics with Stanford and everything else. Ty Eric's, to be honest with you, he really broke the mold of the modern, you know, Northwest kid or Washington in-state kid who actually got accepted to Stanford and didn't take the offer almost always up to that point. If you were an in-state kid and you got a Stanford and you were accepted into Stanford, you pretty much took it. Um, he was, I think he was one of the first ones that really broke it. I know that Jeff Lindquist was one of those guys as well. And now you've seen, you know, definitely other guys, uh, whether it's been like a Trent McDuffie or, or Elijah Molden or some of these other, now you're starting to see more and more of these guys start to do that. I'm not obviously Molden and, 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 um, and McDuffie aren't in-state kids, but like Molden, for instance, a Northwest kid. Um, uh, but now you're starting to see more and more, but before, Ty Eric's, it very, very rarely happened. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey, Scott, the latest crystal ball is uh, one of the latest offers to go out as well. Defensive back out of uh, Freedom High School in Oakley, California, Vincent Nunley. Sounds like he may be a safety. What do you know about Vincent Nunley? I honestly don't know that much other than what I've just been able to read pretty much everybody else. I haven't, I've talked to a few guys about him and, and what, what, you know, a lot of schools like about him. They like the fact that he's six, one 185 pounds. He can cover, he can hit, he's aggressive. But I mean, I, I honestly haven't talked to the kid yet. I've been uh, kind of working on trying to get a hold of him, but you know, <laughs> these kids, man, it's, it's so much easier to talk to them at camps and things like that. And since we didn't get to do that, it's it's a little harder to get a hold of some of these guys that you haven't seen in person yet. Yeah, Fanal just absolutely doesn't answer his phone, by the way. I'm going to downgrade him for that. He just doesn't answer. He doesn't return text. He doesn't answer his phone. Yeah, he's, yep. he's impossible. You guys, so. you guys want a trivia question? Here we go. Who was the, la- who was the last Washington commit from Freedom High School? Oh, that was D- Daryl Daniels, right? Boom. There you go. Eklund for the win. Yeah, that was, well, okay. <laughs> Daryl Daniels, the tight end or the linebacker? The tight end. Tight end. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Well, yeah, well, Washington was also recruited. Joe Mixon was also on that team as well. Um, and uh, Washington had a really good shot with him. And they got uh, Daryl, but they weren't there. I finished, they didn't finish second or third for uh, to Joe Mixon. Hey, Scott, anybody else, you know, expecting to pop in the next week or two? Boy, I, you know, I know there's a couple guys who seem like they're pretty close. I, I've been saying for a while, I think um, everything I've heard is that Owen Prentice is pretty close to making a decision. I don't know if it's going to happen here in the next week. I, I could see it happening before the end of the month. Um, you know, and Scott Huff is just is Scott Huff 
and Junior Adams and Ikaika Malloy and I'm not counting Jimmy anymore because he's not a position coach. But when those three guys go out and target a kid, I feel pretty dang good that Washington's at the very least going to be in it until the very end. And with Scott Huff, everything I'm hearing is that Owen Prentice is very close uh, to making his decision and committing to the University of Washington. I think Washington's got so much to offer him. Scott Huff is, you know, one of Washington's best recruiters, and he's dangerous. There's a lot of these coaches that do not like going up against him. You think Oregon wasn't pissed about going up against Scott Huff last year? Uh, <laughs> to, you know, taking Roger Rosengarden right from out, out of their, their hands and um, you know, I, I feel very confident Scott Huff's going to reel him in and probably be done along the offensive line. We'll just have to wait and see. But, um, you know, I, I think Washington is is uh, is in good shape for him. But I just don't know if it's going to be here in the next couple weeks or if he's going to wait a little bit while. Nunley could wind up making his decision because I don't know if he's a guy they would wait on like they will Owen Brennis. All right. I'm going to put you on the hot seat, Scott. Just one question. All right. It's either yes or no. You ready? Mm hmm. If you take a look at Oregon's commit list, is there a football player committed to Oregon that will wind up at Washington this year? No. I, I'd like to give it more nuance than that because I think I think there's a really good chance. But if if I have to if I'm betting my house right now, no, I don't think so. I think with no visits happening um, this year and Washington's gonna have a real tough time getting getting guys up on campus. Um as much as I think Troy Troy Franklin's in play, and I think uh, Maliki Matavao, from what I've heard, uh, has been calling the University of Washington um, about some things. So I would not be surprised if things heat up with those guys and something could happen. But I think it's just going to be real tough to steal guys away, especially, heck, what if there isn't even a season before signing day? You know, I, I just, because I think one of the big things predicating Washington being able to steal anyone is kids getting a look at their offense and what it's going to be like. What if you don't get to see their offense until next spring? What if you don't get to see it until next fall? I, I, I just, I think it's going to be real tough for Washington if there isn't uh, any kind of games played. Winding it down. Chris Fetter's final thoughts. Well, just piggybacking on what Scott was referencing in terms of Owen Prentice and probably taking just two, offensive lineman in this class when he lays out all the 2022 guys that are going to be available that have already offered in state it's it's it seems pretty much like a slam dunk that they probably won't go for more than two guys in this class and it's not because there are good guys in this class it's just because 2022 is absolutely loaded in state and it would be it's it, I wouldn't say negligence but it, it just seems like that would be the opportunity to really pounce and and really go uh, full in on uh, on a on a big offensive line class, but I would just say overall, um, yeah, this whole idea of of getting guys from Oregon, yeah, it's it's going to be incredibly difficult uh, because the bottom line is is that you know if you if you had an opportunity to get guys on campus, that would be one thing, and if they can do that, that would change the math on it altogether. But if there's no season, if there's no uh, way that that players and parents can get on campus unless they travel themselves and even if they do that the, the coaches can't really show them anything they can't really recruit yet I mean they just they won't have that option until I think what maybe at least the end of August maybe September um, it just all those things are starting to kind of conspire uh, against not just Washington 
potentially going in on on recruits from other schools, but everybody may be poaching from other programs. It just it feels like that was one of the reasons why so many players made so many early commitments because it just felt like that 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 yearly uh, game of musical chairs just all of a sudden went from thirty five to seventy eight speed. And and it doesn't show. It, 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 there's no signs of slowing. It seems like so. That that just that is is going to add a whole new layer to all of this stuff if there's no season, because the recruit because recruiting never stops. You guys know that doesn't matter. It, they'll they'll they will have a signing day somewhere, whether it's in mid December or whether it's in February. There's going to be a signing day, and where those seats end up is going to be anybody's guess. But you just have to figure now. With no visits, no ability to get kids on campus right now, it really does feel like everyone's going to have to kind of stay pat with what they've got. Scott Eklund, what do you got? Boy, uh, well, it's my kid's uh, fifth birthday today. <laughs> We're celebrating this weekend with him, so uh, that's what my kind, big, big what kind news. Of cake? What kind of cake? Uh, honestly, I don't know. He he told his mom what he wanted. I, I I'm... Uh, I don't, I don't know. So right. I think it's a chocolate cake, but I don't know. Um, anyway, as far as the, you know, I think Washington's class is going to end up being right in that 15 to 20 range where I've said it's going to be for a while. Um, I think they've got a great shot at reeling in uh, the top two targets in the state of Washington, aside from Sam Heward, and that's JT2 Malau, Amek Egbuka. I think Washington's trending for both of those guys right now trending when I say that they're just trending up. I don't, I don't know if they're, they would be in the lead. I don't, you know, from what I've, I'm hearing that they, they aren't in the lead for either one of them, but Washington's got a great shot. They're in great position to grab both of those guys. And, you know, um, you know, we talked about it real quick. Uh, we talked about it in my, in my uh, blog um, from last week and Kim, you and I talked about it in our, in our last podcast, but for those who didn't hear, the, the new plan, I think, for a lot of these kids is for the coaches to give them itineraries to have them and their families fly up and be around the area. And there's some thought, and I don't know if this is going to be the case or not, but let's say one of those guys we know is going to be uh, Brock Bowers, the the uh, tight end from Napa, and one of Washington's top targets. He's a top 50, top 60 player in the country. And Washington um, could have... Sam Heward meet him on campus and just show him around. Why couldn't that happen? That could that could happen because Sam Heward is not officially part of the University of Washington football program right now. He's just a recruit. And so um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot more things like that start to come to fruition. Maybe get Maliki Matavao to come up with and, and hang out with Sam Heward for a little while. Maybe uh, Troy Franklin does that. So we'll just have to wait and see where things go. I'm, ex- I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how these coaches, not just the University of Washington, but every coach in the country, kind of how they uh, re- re- redo their, their recruiting philosophy and where things go. You can always keep it tuned here at dogman.com and uh, we'll keep you filled in with what's going on. We go to those times where there's not a lot going on, but then all of a sudden when we're all out and about, something is always bound to happen. That's just the way it works. So just keep it tuned in right here at dogman.com. For all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters, Scott Eklund, wear your mask, go dogs. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.